The Democrat mayor of El Paso declares a state of emergency over Joe Biden's open borders. The Washington Post Taylor Lorenz throws a fit over being suspended from Twitter. Plus, Kevin McCarthy fights for the House speakership. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with the crisis at America's southern borders because the situation keeps getting worse. If you recall, early in the Biden administration, officials and members of the media said that the surge was just the usual seasonal uptick in illegal border crossings. And even back then, we knew their rhetoric was false. The surge was much higher than anything America had seen and as we've witnessed for two years, it's not seasonal. The numbers are going up and up and up. It's so bad now, even the Democrat mayor of El Paso, Texas, is speaking out. The mayor of the Texas border city of El Paso declared a state of emergency on Saturday, citing the hundreds of migrants sleeping on the streets in cold temperatures and the thousands being apprehended every day. Mayor Oscar Leeser, a Democrat, said the emergency declaration would give city authorities the resources and ability to shelter migrants who have crossed the Mexican border. We wanted to make sure people are treated with dignity. We want to make sure everyone is safe, Lisa told reporters. According to the Newsmax story, U.S. border agents have encountered an average of more than 2,400 migrants per day in a 268-mile stretch of the border known as the El Paso sector over the past week which is a 40% increase compared with October. Republican Representative Chip Roy from Texas spoke out about the border crisis on Fox News Sunday, saying the Democrats are using Hispanics as political pawns. Democrats want to simply throw more money at the border and then process more human beings while they're getting abused. They're the ones using them as political pawns for their crass political purposes. They're using the Hispanic community. Go ask Myra Flores. Go ask Monica De La Cruz. Go ask the Hispanics in South Texas who are enraged at what Democrats are doing and using them for political purposes. Roy is absolutely correct. The Democrats have created this humanitarian and security crisis, and they certainly don't want the situation to change. However, Roy doesn't stop with the Democrats. He had some pretty pointed words for Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell, too. But I have to say one thing about my Republican colleagues with the Omni coming this week. We've been running on this being the Biden border, uh, Biden border crisis. This is the McConnell Republican uh, border crisis. If we give them more money this week without demanding that they secure the border and do more bloated spending and giving DHS money with a blank check. Republicans must take a firm stand regarding the border. Local reports coming from El Paso speak of illegal immigrants popping out of manholes in downtown El Paso. They are using the sewer system to enter illegally. And this is just one city. Drugs and gangs and human trafficking are flooding in. If we don't stop it soon, it's not only the border towns that will be overwhelmed. We must have a secure border to be a secure country. All right, next let's talk about the Washington Post reporter, Taylor Lorenz. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, Regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next let's talk about Washington Post reporter Taylor Lorenz, because she is like the poster child 
of everything that is wrong with journalism today. She was complaining about the fact that her fellow leftist colleagues at the Washington Post, New York Times, and CNN were suspended from posting on Twitter. She ignored the fact that they were suspended for doxing, which violates Twitter's policies. She also seems to ignore the fact that she is one of the most famous doxers of all. She is also one of the most unethical reporters out there as well. She famously tried to contact Kellyanne Conway's teenage daughter to get dirt, which is something you can't do as a journalist. She doxed the owner of Libs of TikTok Twitter account, a woman who wished to and had every right to remain anonymous, but Lorenz outed her. Now, she's crying that she was suspended. In an Instagram live posting, Lorenz went after Elon Musk and said he is crazy and messy. Where was I? Um, yeah, and so I just was like, okay, the only thing I'm gonna tweet, the only thing I'm gonna tweet is asking Elon for comment, which I did. And that's when he banned me because I asked him for comment as a journalist. Isn't that crazy? Actually, Lorenz was banned for promoting other social media sites and her account has already been reactivated. But this Instagram live performance that she gave over the weekend is just cringeworthy. Here's more. Yeah, well, Elon, what's up? You're crazy. You, he's so crazy and so messy. It's so embarrassing to be a billionaire and be on the internet. Like that is so embarrassing. You literally, you have so much money, you could hire your favorite band to like play for you every night or like go like literally have a private chef cook whatever you want you know you have a million fake friends that would come over for a party every night um and then you are sitting on twitter that's crazy i still can't get over that that part cracks me up because she's talking about how pathetic elon musk is for quote being on the internet and being on twitter well if you watch the whole video that lorenz made you'll learn that she's at a party with her friends other left-wing elitist journalists. She's at a party and she goes into another room so she can get on the internet and do an Instagram live with her followers. Now, please tell me who's pathetic. All right, next let's talk about House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy, who has his sights set on becoming the next Speaker of the House. The problem is that a group of conservative representatives are opposed to his speakership and are looking for an alternative. Now, had things gone like McCarthy thought they were going to go and the GOP picked up 30 to 40 seats in the House, there would be no debate. He wouldn't need the support of his detractors and he'd win the speakership easily. You need 218 votes to win. The problem is that the GOP did not win 30 or 40 seats and will only have a slim 222 to 213 majority. That means every vote from the GOP conference matters. This Sunday, McCarthy was on Fox News with former Representative Trey Gowdy as the show host who acted more like a McCarthy cheerleader than a news host. Gowdy asked McCarthy what's at stake by not having a speaker already decided. Well, there's a lot that's at stake. First and foremost, getting this country back on track, stopping this Biden administration, but securing our border, becoming energy independent, passing a parent's bill of rights, repealing those 87,000 IRS agents, but also holding government accountable. And Trey, you understand this better than anybody else. The investigations that you have gone through, they have now, just in this last month, delayed us almost a couple months from having that happen. We don't have staff yet. We don't have committees even populated. Now, over the weekend, one of the five key Republicans, and there are others out there, not just five, but one of the main five Republicans who oppose a McCarthy speakership was on Fox News to give his side of the story. 
Representative Matt Rosendale from Montana commented on McCarthy's opposition to a long-standing House rule that would allow the speakership to be challenged from the floor of the House and to the consolidation of power into the hands of just a few members of Congress. Here's Rosendale. Right now, there's a system in place, Will, that allows the Speaker and nine members of the Rules Committee to make all decisions about legislation, and everyone else is forced to just vote yes or no on it. Right. And we requested to have single-subject legislation. We requested for what they call an open rule process. And yes, the motion to vacate would not must be a part of that. And it's interesting that it was in place for 200 years, Will, 200 years. And Nancy Pelosi uh, was the one who got rid of that. Former President Trump has chimed in on the speaker's race, saying that McCarthy, quote, deserves a shot, end quote, at being Speaker of the House. Without specifying any names, Trump said he is friendly with many people who are against McCarthy, but he warned against challenging the California lawmakers' bid for Speaker. Now, I am friendly with a lot of those people who are against Kevin. I think almost every one of them are very much inclined toward Trump and me toward them. But I have to tell them, and I have told them, you're playing a very dangerous game, Trump said. You could end up with a worse situation. So, what do you think? Should Kevin McCarthy be the next Speaker of the House? Let me know in the comments. All right, next let's talk about Republican Carrie Lake's ongoing challenge to the results of the Arizona governor's race, in which Lake sits at about 17,000 votes down, or 0.6%, to Democrat Katie Hobbs. A lawsuit was filed by the Lake team, and now a judge says that Lake, the Lake campaign can examine some of the ballots in question prior to the lawsuit being heard on December 20th. Lake's legal team alleges that 135,000 illegitimate ballots were tallied, greatly exceeding Hobbs's 17,000 ballot margin of victory. According to the lawsuit, Maricopa County voters were disadvantaged on Election Day by long lines and printer problems. Maricopa County officials, including Board of Supervisors Chairman Bill Gates and Recorder Stephen Richer, admitted at a press conference that printer issues prompted some voters to cast votes in drop boxes, but subsequently stated that no voters were disenfranchised. Now, there were a number of issues in this election, and this lawsuit deserves to be heard and action taken. We saw similar problems in the Houston area, in Harris County, Texas, where polling locations in Republican areas didn't have enough ballots or printer paper. In Lake's race, those are only a few of the issues. Here's Lake speaking at the recent Turning Point USA event. Those people who say, I don't want to deal with it, it's too hard, I, I put everything into the election, I'm tired. We don't have time for them. That's right, dead weight, somebody said, they're dead weight. The cowardly thing to do right now is to give up. Just give up. That's the cowardly thing to do. The hardest fights are the ones worth fighting, and this one is worth fighting. I'm in the fight. I'm in it. This is important, folks. The Democrats are finding more ways to win elections outside of trying to convince voters that their issues are better. In fact, that's not even a strategy anymore. Joe Biden stayed hidden. Katie Hobbs stayed hidden and wouldn't even debate Carrie Lake. We need to fight back against the Democrats because they will never, ever back down if we don't. All right, next a quick note on Biden's America and the situation with jobs. You might have heard that it's been revealed that the job growth under Joe Biden was overstated by 1.1 million jobs. Funny how that correction has come out 
after the election. Also, if you're wondering why there are still 3 million fewer Americans working than before COVID, according to the New York Post, it's because Joe Biden, under his leadership, it's often better not to work because you're certainly going to get paid. The expansion of the welfare state has created situations where work often doesn't pay. In New Jersey, unemployment benefits and Obamacare subsidies alone are worth an annualized $122,000. That's 30% more for not working in most occupations. There's a lot that needs to be changed in America, and we can start with getting rid of Joe Biden. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show will be Wednesday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.